speak on a message I titled Walking with God. Walking with God. And um lot to share here. Father, I just ask that your spirit will will move in us tonight and speak to us and encourage us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, it seems as you study the scripture, you begin to realize that there is a thing uh, that the Bible refers to as walking, walking with God. You can see it all the way from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It tells about walking with God. The Bible talks about we walk by faith and not by sight. So your Christian life is really a walk. That's the way God sees it. But as you walk, you're not just walking with faith, you're walking with God. So we're going to be talking tonight about walking with God. It's a, it's a very pleasant thing to walk with God, but it's also a privilege to walk with God. So we need to understand that, that it is a great privilege to walk with God. We need to recognize the person that we're dealing with. When we walk with our God, in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible talks about Adam and Eve, how God walked with them. In verse 8 of uh, Genesis chapter 3, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So again, notice something is so important, what the Bible is saying here. What Adam heard was the voice of the Lord walking. It was the voice of the Lord walking in the garden. So take note of that. The voice of the Lord is very important in your work. It was the voice that they heard. There's a suggestion here, if you read the scripture carefully, as if Jesus himself was there in person, and they were hiding from him. They heard the noise, they heard his voice, and they were hiding among the trees as if to stay away from his presence. But... Here the Bible tells us that they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day. This was something they were familiar with. They were familiar with it. It was normal for them to expect the Lord to come to them at that time of the day and to be with them. But it used to be before this particular day that we're reading, it was a, a pleasure, a thing of pleasure to be in the presence of God. They possibly looked forward to it. But this day, they were in dread because of sin. But the nature of God from the beginning is to walk with us. He wants to walk with us. The Bible also tells us about Enoch. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 22 and 20, through 24, it says, After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. How? Good question. He walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. 
So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So again, you can see from the scripture that walking with God is so important to God. He wants to walk with you. He wants to to be with you and to walk with you. I believe this is fellowship. Walking with God. God was so pleased with the fellowship, the walking that Enoch did. I believe he came one day to be with Enoch. This was after the fall, but Enoch had such a good heart towards God and knew his God and walked with God after the fall. God could not wait. I'll just take you home with me. So he took Enoch with him. So walking with God is important. But what does it mean to walk with God in our day? What is that? How do we walk with God today? You know, many times walking with God is how you feel and all of that. We really need to go away from that and begin to zero in on what God says. In Amos chapter 3 verse 3, it says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Unless they are in agreement? So you walking with God, this God saying this, you walking with him means you have to be in agreement with him. Every time you are in disagreement with God, you're no longer working with Him. Anytime, anytime your action or your words, because it's His voice, anytime your action or your words contradict what God says and who God is, you're no longer working with, with Him. So walking with God is agreeing with God. It's agreeing with the word, even if it contradicts your circumstance. It's staying on God's side. And disagreeing with the devil. He is in the world, a lot of voices in the world, a lot of things coming at us. And there is this one voice, it's the voice of the Lord. If you agree with God's word, and you agree with God, then you're walking with him. But every time you disagree with the world, well, I don't know about that. Once that comes out of your mouth or you're thinking about it, you are out. At that stage, you are out of fellowship. Now, the word of God is really huge. You can believe one part of God's word and be strong in that area and then refuse to believe another part of God's word because it doesn't agree with the way you think or your past experience, or what you see in people's lives, that's one thing I have to do. Don't worry about what's happening in anybody's life. It's what's happening between me and my God. What he says to me, and what I understand from him, he's not going to hold me responsible for what I don't know. Here or not. But what he has shown to you, he holds you responsible for it. And then he holds you responsible for because the Bible says study to show yourself approved of God, a workman, and not, that doesn't need to be ashamed. Now, if you're not studying based on God's word, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You need to know what God says. But walking with God has very little to do with the emotions. A lot of Christians are caught up in the emotions. So I feel God goosebumps all over me. So, God must be with me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's not the way to walk with God. If you allow that to happen to you, 
then what's happening to you is your life is being ruled by your senses and not the voice of the Lord. And you can't walk with God that way. When you mature as a Christian, you will begin to move from the realm of the emotions and go into what, what the Word says. Because the Word will never fail. That's when you see miracles happen. It's no longer emotions. It's what you know. It's what you know from the Word. What you agree with in the Word. Two in agreement, they are agreeing about something they are talking about, right? Something you have discussed and God says, well, both of you agree. And you say, okay, I'll go with that, God. You're in agreement, he can work with you. And so, we need to understand that. A heart that is ruled by the senses will never agree with what God is saying. If your heart is ruled by the way you feel, it's going to be really hard to agree with what God is saying now. It's something that God showed me. It's really important. I'd like to take you back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden. God said to Adam and Eve, they were ruled by their spirit. And God told Adam and Eve, he said, the day that you eat of this fruit, the fruit of what? The knowledge of good and evil. What's wrong with knowing the difference between good and evil? Have you asked yourself about that? What's wrong with that? Knowing the difference between good and evil. That's what the tree is called, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Well, Adam ate of that tree, both of them. They didn't fall down and die. They still seemed like they were alive. But on that day, what happened is their spirit died. And then the knowledge, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge that they gained from their senses now ruled them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. They gained knowledge, but it was of the flesh, right? And from that day, their flesh ruled over their spirit. Their spirit died. So when you are ruled by your senses, guess who is on the throne? Your flesh. When Jesus came, he brought deliverance to our spirit. Our spirit got born again. Not your flesh. Your spirit got born again so that your spirit can grow. How? Through the word of God so that your spirit becomes the ruling person in your life. Not your flesh. So when you are ruled by your senses, your words will reflect it. And you can never have victory as a Christian. You can walk with God. He knows not to do business with you. 
He can do business with God because you've been ruled by your senses. I'd like to show you a scripture. Please turn with me, not that, but please turn with me to Romans chapter chapter 8, verse 6. So you understand this. It's been a long journey for me, not too long, just 30-something years. But you have to grow as a Christian. Amen? You have to grow. Don't ever be satisfied with where you are. Keep searching. There is much to know. I feel sorry for those that don't have hunger to go to the world and gain understanding. Because a man's life, the days of a man's life, the man born by a woman, according to Job, full of trouble. You need God to make it. Romans chapter 8 verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death. In other words, if you are ruled by your senses, you die. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Jesus gave birth to our spirit, not your flesh. You still look the same after you got saved. If you don't have a lot of hair, you still don't have a lot of hair after you got saved. But your spirit is given birth to, that was the one that was dead. God brought it alive so that your spirit will rule over your flesh. So you, the, the food of the spirit to get strong is the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't eat words, right? Your spirit eats words. Your spirit your spirit grows through it receiving from the spirit of God, the word of God. That's the food for your spirit. So the more you go into God's word, not emotions, the more you understand God giving you the spirit of revelation in him, the stronger you get as a man or a woman in the inside. And then you can walk with God. It's hard to walk with a baby in a crib. Right? You can walk with the baby. You can make a whole lot of conversation with the baby. You can have a whole lot of agreement there. God needs us to grow up. So we can walk with him. Because he has things for us to do. He needs to be able to instruct us. So we're doing business together. So that's, you walk with God. Look at verse 10 of Romans chapter 8. And if Christ is in you, the body is what? Dead. Dead. You are not supposed to be ruled by your body. You are not made in Christ to be ruled by your senses. So when you are controlled by the way you feel, I feel bad. You sneeze one time, and you already agreeing that you're going to be sick. You're listening to, you, to your senses, your flesh. You're carnally minded. To be spiritually minded is to agree with the word of God. That's being spiritually minded. 
So if whatever is coming at you contradicts the word of God, you shouldn't agree with it and disagree with God because of the way you feel. Some people say, I, I just like to speak my mind. But you won't have a whole lot of friends if you do that. Don't speak what's in your mind or in your head. Speak what God says in the word. Agree with God. How can two walk together unless they are in agreement? If you agree with God's word, and whether it makes sense to you or not, but you're going to take that word and you're going to walk with that word, then you're walking with God because God and his word are one and the same. So when you disagree with God's word, based on your experience, based on what people told you, based on whatever reason, you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, what you're saying is, I can't walk with God. I'm not going to do that. So don't let your senses rule you. Stay with the word of God. It's something that is really curious because before Jesus came, every human being from Adam to Jesus ruled by the flesh. So the Bible tells us Jesus came in the likeness, Romans chapter 8, in the likeness of sinful flesh. He had sinful flesh. But his spirit was different from the rest of us. His spirit ruled his flesh. Unlike every other man that had lived before he came. That was the main difference between him and the rest of us. He said himself, I only do what I hear from the... I only say what I hear from the Father. Right? What I hear from him is what I say. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. Did you read that? He was different from the rest of us. He wasn't being ruled by his feelings. He was being ruled. I mean, he wasn't being ruled by his uh, flesh, but by his spirit. Notice something. I never, I wondered, you know, did you see how long it took Jesus to say Lazarus had died? He wasn't talking that way. He told him, you're sleeping. He, would, he knew he was dead. He wouldn't say it. Have you ever thought about that? Why he wouldn't just say it out? Lazarus is dead. He said he's sleeping. He wouldn't make that confession. And when he said Lazarus is dead, the Greek, actually what he said was Lazarus had died. He didn't say Lazarus is dead. He's, there's a difference there. He says Lazarus has died. And I'm going, I'm going to raise him up. Because the disciples didn't understand what he was saying. He wouldn't tell them. He says he's asleep. They're thinking, well, if he's sleeping, he's going to wake up. And out of frustration, he told them, okay, Lazarus just died, okay? <laughs> But you can see that's, that's the way he is. And that's what we're trying to tell the church. Watch what you say from your mouth. You may not be agreeing with God. And it's affecting your life. Because you are being ruled by the senses. It's better not to say anything. 
than to begin to make all those confessions. There are no supermen in the faith of Christ. It's just what you believe. It's just what you believe. You know, it's not a, 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 this is a confession. I'm going to hear me say this here. Uh, it's been about nine years now since we started our church. And I said it here, there's not going to be a Sunday um, when we have service and, and, and I'm at home sick. I can't be here. How many heard that? Let me say that. And I said, now he sounded like, you know, he's just boasting. Well, good luck, he's just a man. You don't have any power to stop the flu. Can you do? I don't know what it's like. Can you see a virus? How do you know when it's coming to you? But I do know it's been a while since I had any kind of those symptoms. I used to deal with the symptoms a lot those times, but I don't deal with them much anymore. I don't accept the flu. I don't have a flu season. I don't even want to talk about it. Amen. I don't have any of that kind of stuff. So when you say as a child of God, the Bible says, by his stripes you are healed. But your confession, he's saying, well, I'm about to catch the flu. Where well, are you going to catch it? You're ready for it. Your word is in disagreement with God say, what God says, by his stripes I am healed. So you prepare yourself to receive what you're saying. And you get it. But I'm beginning to find, this is what that Jesus said, you read in John, it's an amazing thing. He was telling them, he says, I know the Father. I have seen the Father. I know the Father. If I say to you that I don't know him, I'll be a liar like you. Well, this was, he was saying it to people that were threatening to kill him. But he wouldn't say anything otherwise. Many times we excuse ourselves, and, and I'm talking to myself as well. We excuse ourselves and we say, well, Jesus was the Son of God. Well, you are a Son of God. And you are a joint here with Christ, according to the Scriptures. Jesus said, the same love that the Father has for him, he has for you, right? No real difference here. Jesus wants the world to know that the love that he has for him, Jesus, is the same love that he has for you, Al. The same quality of love. The same amount. It's just there is a liar in the world, the devil, that is speaking to our senses. He got a hold of us from the day Adam sinned. And he knew we are ruled by our senses. And he uses the senses and what we know, what we see, and all of those things, what we feel. And he's using those things to rule us. So if I'm having difficulties and I'm not able to pay my bill, it's easy for me to speak my mind, right? I have lack. But speak your mind. But you're speaking from the flesh. You're not in agreement with God's word. The blessings of the Lord makes one rich. He said, well, I don't know if I'm blessed. But are you a Christian? Are you born again? Then Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? You are blessed. You're poor in spirit. That's when you receive Christ. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are you going to heaven? Well, then the Bible says you're blessed. But the blessings of the Lord makes one rich. But my situation is speaking contrary to what I know from the scriptures. Who are you going to side with? Who are you going to side with? In our songs, we say, whose report would you believe? Right? In the Bible, Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? So we need to grow up. We need to grow up. I see Christians running from pillar to post, running and looking for some kind of a miracle, some kind of a, a feeling. That's why these people keep, keep talking about gold dust coming on them. I told them I like the gold dust, but can you give me real gold where I can take to the bank? What would I do with gold dust? I can't use it. And then sometimes you see some of these guys talking about gold dust. They are mean individuals. If you get to know them, they're running it. It's really confused. I'm done. If God wants to pour gold dust, maybe fine. But I don't see that in scriptures, God putting gold dust on people. Maybe the experience is real for them. But that's not what I need for my life. I want to know him. It's not feelings. I want to know him. I don't want to see an angel feather. I want to see Jesus. I want him to talk to me. Just like he did with Abraham. I want to hear from him. I want to grow in my faith. I don't want to be ruled by things. A wind blows in my room. Oh, yes, the devil. And you're afraid. These things have to do with the senses. That's because you don't know the word of God. I'm not afraid of anybody. We shouldn't be afraid of anyone because God is on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? Um, do I have time? This thing is wrong here. Okay. You know, Paul, Paul was never ruled by his senses. Paul used his mind. Paul was never ruled by his senses. He knew when to get out of town. He knew when to go back to town. He was not afraid of anything. You know this one, Agabus, you know the prophet Agabus, took uh, his uh, apron or something and wound it around his hands and said, the one who has this apron, this is what's going to happen if you go to Jerusalem. And everybody started crying. And Paul says, why are you breaking my heart? I already knew about this stuff. God has been speaking to me and through different people I know. But I'm going. I'm going. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm going. Don't break my heart. Don't cry about this. Come on. Look at what he said. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And I want to go into this because it's really important. If you've read Romans chapter 8, this scripture, I saw it this week in a very different light. And follow what Paul was doing here. In Romans chapter 8 from verse 31 through 37. What then shall we say to these things? So saying to what things? 
the things that you're dealing with. You got a voice. You got to say something about what you have, what's happening to you. What are you going to say? You got to say something. Saying something is important. What you say, either will agree with what God says or what the devil is saying, which is your flesh, where he manipulates your flesh and does all of that stuff. He says, what shall we say to these things? These things are the issues of life. The problems that we go through, the difficulties that come our way, the obstacles, the pain, the, the symptoms, and all of that. What are we going to say to these things? He didn't tell you what things, everything that you have to deal with. What have you to say? What are you going to say? Because what you say is important. What comes out of your mouth is important. That's what's going to affect your life. He says, it's, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So he's telling you, because I know God is for me, I don't have any reason to be afraid of anything. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul wants to say. This was the man who was stoned from one city to another city. He says, I know I got these enemies over there, but God is for me. And really no one can be against me. I don't have to be talking about Satan. He's of no consequence as to what's going to happen to my life. It's my relationship with the word that's going to determine what happens. I'm not Satan. He's been put aside. He can't do anything anymore. It's the room I allow him into my life. That's what's going to affect me. But the Bible clearly says here, if God is for you, who can be against you? What can be against you? God is on your side. And then he went further. Now, we're talking about things, people coming against you. That's who? But then he tells you this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He goes to your needs. Your material needs. What shall we say to these things? What are you going to say about these things in your life? Your finances. What are you going to say? What about God who did not spare his son? He's helping you to know what to say. If you want to agree with God. What shall we say to these things? God didn't hold back his son. Why should he hold back? A thousand dollars for you to pay your bill. That's what he's saying. How shall he, not with him, that Jesus freely give you all things? That's what he's saying. He'll take care of your needs. That's what God is saying here. Then he goes on to the condemnation, your spiritual life. The feeling of unworthiness in the presence of God. Because a man preached uh, Moses... Michael was reminding me here in the scriptures in the morning. He preaches to me in the morning sometimes. He was reminding me that the Bible says every time Moses is preached, a veil comes over the eyes. You notice that? Every time you present the law, and I keep telling people, stop presenting the problem. Why do you want to present the problem? Present the solution. Jesus is the answer. Why don't you talk more about that than the problem? 
Now, if you want to talk to unbelievers, present the problem so they know what they, what's going on. And then, but don't stop there. Also give them the solution. Don't just make them feel bad and, and go, man, I got them. That's stupid. Let them know the truth. Give them the gospel as well, that they can be free. Amen? But he says, who is going to condemn? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who is God's elect? Everyone that I see here tonight. Amen? You, you are elected by God. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father, I mean to me, except the Heavenly Father draws him. The only reason you are with Christ, the only reason you wanted to serve God, is because God handpicked you. Isn't that special? To know that God himself handpicked you. The Bible says you can't, Jesus said you can't come to me to ask to be forgiven your sins unless God himself has looked into the earth and says, I want that one. Come over here, boy. Come on, come on. Go to my son. He got something to give you. That's what Jesus said. Everyone who hears from the Father, Jesus said, comes to me. Until you hear from the Father, you can go to him. So, you are elected by God. Who is going to bring a charge against you? No condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, not ruled by your senses, but ruled by the Spirit. Meaning you're listening to the Word of God. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen? So he takes care of your condemnation. He says, who... Is he who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, who, who is also risen? Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then Paul began to tell you, I don't care about all this stuff. Tribulation, trials, whatever. All of these things, he mentioned them here. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness. That's when difficult situations come against you because you're living for God. Well, he says, I really don't care about those impulses. I'm not looking to those things. God is enough. No one can separate us from the love of God. And when God loves, he showers people with the blessings. Amen? There are things that I believe that Christians should never say or talk about. I think when I, when I came back and I go into the things about confession... Christians have, a, have they like to inform God about their problem. He already know. Why are you praying the problem? Why don't you pray the solution? Does it mean when you pray, you have to speak all the negatives? That's when God's going to hear you? Why can't you tell him what he says? God, listen, I'm having this problem here, but you know, I know what your word says, okay? And I know I'm going through. I'm coming out of it. 
And God, I want you to think of pretty solution. What do you want? You're gonna is it is it the problem that you want that you're telling him or the solution? Why don't you just tell him what you want him to do? Instead of spending half an hour telling him the problem that he already knows. Things that we shouldn't say. Never talk failure. Because you don't have it in you. If you're born of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can never fail. The one that is in you, the Bible says is greater, right? He's greater than the world. Greater than he who is in the world. And he's in you. How can you fail? Well, your senses will tell you, I got all of these problems. So you have this pressure on you to talk about the problems, right? Guess what the pressure is coming from? From your flesh. You're ruled by your flesh. So you Christians want to talk about the problem. They keep talking about sickness and sickness and sickness and sickness. And guess what? Sickness never leaves them. I can place you by your words. I can determine what's going to happen to you by the things I hear you saying. And now Christians say, well, I'm not going to say anything. You got to be saying something. You have to say what God says. That's what's going to bring deliverance to us. Saying what God says. That's what's going to put confidence in your heart. If you cannot say boldly, you really don't believe it. That's just the truth. If you can't proclaim it boldly, you don't believe it. The day I hear you proclaiming it boldly, and I tell you, once you start, and, and I got in my mind, I have a lot of scriptures that I need to talk, bring to our congregation uh, to help you know that what you say from your mouth is actually placing you somewhere. The words that you come out of your mouth, that's a pain to write on your heart. So it's better to say those words, good words, coming from the word. So never speak on failures. Never speak defeat. Do not say I can't. When God says you can. Don't do that. Don't try to believe. Just believe. Have you seen people trying to have faith? They are trying to have faith. It just doesn't work that way. Just don't try to believe. Just believe. And act on it. Don't talk about sickness and disease. That's not part of our inheritance. Don't talk about them. If you talk so much about sickness, that's because you believe in sickness. Speak more about what Jesus has done for us. How can two walk together except they are in agreement? We must always agree with God. Amen? I'm going to read some scriptures quickly and then I'll close. Psalm 34 verse 10. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. 
That's what God says. Do you have lack in your life? And you want to talk about it, don't you? But why don't you say what God said? And make that confession. Psalm 18 verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? They may be threatening to take your job. But let, let everyone around you, don't go to the boss and say, you can fire me. <laughs> but let everyone know around you that he didn't give me the job. He gave the job to me. He can't fire me unless God has something better for me. Amen? And your friends will look at you and say, are you nuts? He's talking about firing everybody. And you're one of them. He can't. If he's able to fire me, God has something better for me. He said, really? Then he fires you and your friends are saying, you said he's not able to fire you. And then the next week, you get a better job. Oh, wow. And when they have problems, they'll call you. I have this problem. Could you pray for me? They know there's something happening in your life. We need to believe this Bible the way we say we believe it. a word that Jesus said and I'll close with that he said the father gave them to me no man is going to pluck them out of my hand the father who gave them to me is greater than all Jesus said that the father is greater than all if I have a dream and I don't like the dream when I wake up I say the father is bigger than this dream. Amen. He's not going to be. I cancel it with the blood of Jesus. If somebody says something to me that's negative about my life, I go to Isaiah 54. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I condemn. That's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And I am the Lord's servant. When I pray, I let the Lord know, God, you're, yes, your servant. I am your servant. Not because I'm a preacher. Every one of us is a servant. So you tell him, your servant is here, God, and I need you right now. He loves us so much, he comes to us. He wants the best for us. There's no need to be afraid of life. Your life is in the Father's hands. And He is greater than all. Stand up with me tonight. Let the words that you hear uh, go into your spirit and begin to create a giant out of you. Don't look at your circumstance today Look at your future and what God is going to do for you. Have a dream. I dream all the time. Wide awake dreaming of what God will do with the Ark Fellowship. Of what God will make out of us, every one of us. I dream in my mind. And sometimes it's hard. Minutes go. An hour is gone. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Just dreaming. 
my situation now and my dream, they're really very different, right? <laughs> but I enjoy the dream. I live in the dream. But the Bible says, God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or even imagine. And all I'm doing in my dreams is imagining things based on his word. Because he promised to make us great, right? That's this, what he promised Abraham. Don't look to your circumstances the way, way they are today. Dream. God can put the talent in there. Or what you need to get you to your dream. Amen? And who knows? That dream may be coming from him. So dream. Don't think less of the one God created and fashioned with his, with his own hands. And put his spirit in you. That makes you different from the rest of the world. I wish we know this. The angels respect what God is putting here. You know you, got, you carry God? That's the one they worship, right? And you carry him everywhere you go. You're something special. Amen? You are special. Would you lift your hands up to the Lord tonight? And thank him for how special he's made you. Yeah, you're going through difficulties. Well, he's preparing a path for your feet. And he's taking you to your destiny. That's much greater, greater than you can imagine. Why don't we dream? Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your people tonight. Thank you for your presence in our lives. You've chosen us by your grace. And we're nothing without you, but we're everything with you in our lives. We cannot be defeated. We cannot be defeated. No circumstance in life can defeat us. No sickness, no disease. Our lives cannot be cut short because Jesus is in, in us. You are the life. You are the life. You are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. Father, we thank you tonight. Touch our lives with your spirit and give us wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.